good. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter number 14. So I have to tell you, first of all, your pastor is a pretty persistent guy. Man, that I'm sitting in here today, standing tonight in here is amazing. I, he asked me, I said, hey, listen, I have a youth. Uh, I have a youth retreat, a youth conference on Saturday. The pastor of the camp asked me to stay over. Um, I, I think I could get out of that thing on Sunday, but I got to tell you, first of all, you got to get me from Indiana down here. And the best he could do is, is, is Richard, and I don't know. I, man, that was, that I'm here tonight is by the grace of God, let me tell you. And um, so that's, you know, how we're going to do, how we're going to work this all out. He said, Brother Charlotte, we got it. And I said, now, let me tell you something. Now, Spiritual Leadership Conference does start Monday night, but we got classes to uh, Monday morning. And I said, hey, listen, I don't know. You got to get me home back to L.A. by Sunday night at some time because I have classes on Monday morning and I have the earliest class, 7 a.m. I teach a youth philosophy class. I said, man, you got to get me in sometime. Well, man, we worked it out. Couldn't believe we got a great flight out southwest out of Nashville tomorrow. So it all came together, and Pastor just kept on pushing. So here I am, and uh, I'm excited. So here's what, and then the next thing is trying to figure out what this weekend is. So I got Bible conference, revival, homecoming, anniversary. So I said, okay, so tonight I'm going to preach about anniversary, about the church, about your past, and about your future. Tomorrow, since this is all, I think, supposed to be also revival. Tomorrow I'm preaching on revival and uh, really asking the Lord, and it's going to touch into homecoming uh, as well as revival. So I'm really excited about tomorrow morning. <coughs> be praying. I think the service is going to be about six to seven and a half hours long by what Pastor said, and, uh, but we're going to have a great time. No, that won't be like that at all, but I think we're going to have a great time. Exodus chapter 14. So... I deal with a lot of counseling, and a big part of counseling is dealing with people's past. And as far as I can tell from the scriptures, there are only two times that we should ever go to our past. Only two times. Everything else in our life is no trespassing. And here, as far as I can tell, the only two times that we should ever go to our past is number one. To remember the love God has shown us. And number two, to remember the lessons God has taught us. Everything else in our past is no trespassing. The only time you should go to your past. Remember, excuse me, remember the love God has shown and remember the lessons God has taught. Well, I think a church anniversary is a good time to remember the love he has shown gateway in the last 23 years. Amen? And also to remember the lessons God has taught gateway in the last 23 years. Brother Dalton, you learned a few lessons over the last 23 years? And you've seen a lot of God's love over the last 23 years in what God has done. Pastor, even in just a short time, that you've been, really, seven years, though, number of completion, but you're not done yet. Okay. But uh, you've seen the love God has shown this place. We're standing in that right now. And yet you've learned a lot of lessons. That's the only reason why we go to the past. Everything else, put a no, I don't know what's happened in your past. I'm telling you right now, put a no trespassing sign on it. Because everything else, God does not want us to go to our past. Now, I've got a great message tonight that I love to preach this passage in Exodus 14. This is one of the most dramatic moments of the entire Old Testament. 400 years Israel has been in bondage, and now they are free. So they think. They're at a dead end, and the Egyptian army won't give up. They're coming after them. And Moses stands, would you look with me, at Exodus chapter 14, and look at our text tonight, verse 13, 14, and then verse 15 is our text, and actually there's two words in verse 15 
that make up our text. So the Egyptian army, Pharaoh, has decided to come after them. And now all of those Israelites are going like, what have you done, Moses? And Moses stands up. And I, man, I like this. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now this is really cool. I mean, this is a very dramatic moment. They're all saying, what the God, we had just stayed in Egypt. What the God, what have you done, Moses? And Moses gets up, man, what a message. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you have served, you'll see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Look at the next verse. As far as I know, maybe I'm wrong, there may be some others. But as far as I know, this is the only time in the Bible that God told somebody to stop praying. Did you hear that? The only time in the Bible I know of that God told someone to stop praying. Look what it says. And the Lord said unto Moses, hey, Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? You speak, look at this. You speak unto the children of Israel that they, everyone together, the next two words are our text tonight, that they what? Oh, that was terrible. They ain't going nowhere with that, okay? That they, everyone together, that they? Okay, so let me tell you what the Hebrew is there in a couple words. The words go forward in the Hebrew is to pull up. Their tent pegs. To pull up their tent pegs. Hey, you tell, hey, Moses, you don't need to pray anymore. You tell them to go forward. Now, I don't know exactly how this looks, but this is kind of how I think this is happening. He's, he's speaking to the people of Israel and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you have served, you'll see no more again forever. The, the Lord will fight for you. And I think he turns around. He's got the rod in his hand kind of thing. And he does one of these. Lord, now! Lord, now! Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God, you got to do this. And you got to do this now. And God said, Moses, no more praying. I gave him 10 plagues. I've taken care of them, and I've proven myself. You tell them to go forward. You tell them to pull up their 10 pegs, because I ain't doing nothing until they pull their 10 pegs up and they go forward. Now, let me tell you a formula, because this is good. God's been faithful for the last 23 years at this church. God's faithfulness plus man's faith in God equals blessing at Gateway Baptist Church. Let me tell you right now, I one thing, I don't know everything about your future, but I know something about your future church. God's going to be faithful. I am not worried at all about the future of Gateway Baptist Church in God's faithfulness. Only concern I have is your faith in him. I have total faith God's going to be faithful in your future. I don't think there's any question that God's been faithful for the last 23 years. The only question is your faith in God. Will you pull up your tent pegs and will you continue to go forward? Pull up your tent pegs. Let's pray and ask God to help us. There's four areas that I want you to pull up your tent pegs and trust God as we look back over your past and look forward to the future at Gateway Baptist. Father, this church has taken some great steps of faith. Father, whether it's the auction of what you did for this piece of property, people's lives being saved, baptized, 
Lord, the Daltons started 23 years ago on one thing, faith. God, we're going to trust you. We believe that this area needs a church, and we're starting it. God, this whole church has been grounded because you are a faithful God, and some believers pulled up some tent pegs and went forward and trusted you. I thank you for Pastor Farmer. I I sense in the short time I've been with him, he's a man of faith. He's trusting you. He believes in you and what you're going to do. Father, I pray tonight that as we look back over 23 years, we also look forward. And Lord, may this church, just because they're in a nice building now, things are looking nice. May they not stop pulling up their tent pegs and going forward. And then, you know, Father, not only as a church tonight, there's married couples that need to trust you in an area. I don't know what it is, Lord. Maybe their finances, maybe their soul winning, it may be their time with you, it, it may be something at work. I don't know, Lord. But there's couples in here raising kids that they need to pull up their tent pegs and trust you. There's some single adults here tonight. That father just need to trust you. Lord, <clears throat> there's some of us that are a little up in our years. Well, Lord, I'm thankful that our journey never stops. We got to keep pulling our tent pigs up and going to other places. We got to trust you. May Israel history in this story be a great encouragement to us to pick up our tent pigs and go forward for you. God, may every one tonight Go forward on the decision and the step that you want these people to to take. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. amen. All right, let's look back now to chapter 13 for just a moment. And we'll lead up to our text here at the very end. Pull up your tent pegs, number one. Pull up your tent pegs and trust God in his timing. And trust God in his timing. Now, I want everyone to look at verse 17. And it came to pass. There was an old radio preacher named J. Vernon McGee that said his favorite verse in the Bible was wherever and it came to pass was. I like that. And let me tell you something, folks. If you're down in a valley, trust me, it's going to come to pass. If you're on a mountaintop, trust me, it's going to come. It's all coming to pass, folks. For Israel... This is a huge, and it came to pass. This is a 400-year, and it came to pass. This is it. 400 years in bondage, and it's coming to pass. They are moving forward. Look what it says. When Pharaoh had let the people go. Did you ever think about this? Why didn't God just say, hey, Moses, at the burning bush, Moses, I I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to get your people out. Just go back, tell them to get going, and I'll protect them, and you're on your way to the promised land. But is it not interesting that God said, Moses, you go back and go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Why do you even bother with the Pharaoh thing? Just get the people, let's get going, God will protect you. Come on, let's go. He says, go through Pharaoh. You know why? They were not in their own land. And they had an authority over them. And God always works through authority. And Israel, you're not leaving Egypt until your authority tells you to go. And I find that to be extremely, I mean, this was an ungodly authority. This is a wicked authority. But you know what? God works through authority. Now listen, if they don't do this, They just do their own thing. You know what, man? God says we're going to the promised land. God will be with us. Come on, let's get going. I'm going to tell you, it's not going to work right. And they would, now listen, they would have never gotten the spoils of Egypt had they not waited for Pharaoh to say, get out of here. They waited and God, and I want to tell you something. Sometimes we wonder about the timing of God. And we say, man, why? This... This evil person, this wicked thing, this this is holding us up. Come on, God, get us moving. And God's working. God's timing is always what it needs to be. And we need to pull up our tent pegs. Now listen, 
We need to pull up our tent pegs and wait on the Lord. Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 13, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God puts every one of us through a time. Do you, are you going to trust me? And are you going to wait on me? The next verse says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, I don't know what kind of person you are, but I got to tell you, you're looking at a guy that does not like to wait. And yet the waiting period is sometimes the most important part of God's will in our lives. Hey, folks, God's will in our life is not a vocation or a location. God's will in our life is a relationship. And I have found that there's many times we think, all right, God, this is where you want me. Let's get going, God. You know, I'll tell you who I really appreciate in the Bible is Enoch. Because Enoch does something that I tell you, Shetler doesn't do that much. Enoch didn't walk before God, and he didn't walk behind God. Enoch, everyone together, walked with God. And that's what God wants from us, to trust his timing. The timing of God is perfect. You think about the building that you're in tonight. I tell you, a pastor picks me up at the, at the hotel. First thing he wants to talk about, food? No. First thing he wants to talk about, his Jeep? No. First thing he wants to talk about, his family? No. <laughs> First thing he wants to talk about is the building. He said, Pastor, I, I, he said, Pastor, I, I just got to tell you about the building. And then he starts telling me about the auction. Okay, I, I would have loved to have been at that auction. I would have bid higher. No, 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 no. <laughs> and God would have stroked me dead. You think about the, the building you're in right now. Think about the last 23 years. God's timing has been perfect. From what I, I gather, Pastor Dalton had thought, like, I think we're going to try this. It's going to be a long transition, uh, Brother Josh, and we're going to kind of go through this thing. Whoa, didn't happen that way. But God's timing was perfect. You come into this church. Brother Shelley, I've only I've been in here a short time. And wasn't the timing of you coming exactly what God wanted? Now, let me tell you something. God's putting something together here at Gateway. And every one of you are coming into the church for such a time as this. Something's happening. And you got to pull up your tent pegs and trust God for the time. Now, a lot of times we go, God, we want to get moving. We want to do this. We want to see this. We want to get the we want to get the gym going. We want to get this. And God knows the timing. He knows exactly what we need, and He knows exactly when we need it. I love the timing here. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. This was the time to go. It should not have been before Pharaoh says, get out of here, because he looks what he does. <clears throat> that God led them not through the way, the way of the land of the Philistines. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a minute. But look at this. He led, uh, and he gave them all the spoils of the land. But then, look at verse 19. I love this. And Moses took the bones of, everyone together, the bones of who? So if you turn to Hebrews chapter, you don't have to, but if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, okay, Joseph is there. Well, yeah. I mean, man, the way that he resisted Potiphar's wife, yeah, that was all by faith. That's not why he's there. Well, the way that he reconciles with his terrible brothers, wow, that's not why he's in Hebrews 11. Do you know why Joseph is in Hebrews 11? Look it up. I'll tell you why. Because just before he died, he told his brothers. He said, hey, guys, you will be back in the promised land. By faith, I know you're going back to the promised land. And when you do, take my bones with you. And take my bones back to the promised land because you are not going to be staying in Egypt. There's coming a day. That you're going back. And the faith that he believed that they were going back, he said, take my bones and bury them in the promised land. So guess what? For 400 years, 
What was the blessed hope of the Israelites in Egypt? 400 years, what was their blessed hope? The bones of Joseph. They would work and they go, this is terrible, this is ridiculous, this is crazy. Hey, don't forget Joseph's bones. Oh, that's right. We're going back one day, aren't we? We're going back to the promised land one day. Man, when people got discouraged, they remembered their blessed hope. And their blessed hope was Joseph's bones. So I got something better to tell you. Our blessed hope today, church, is not dead men's bones. Our blessed hope today is an empty tomb. And Jesus said in the upper room, hey, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, come on, come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Man, we got to, hey, are there times like, man, I'm so sick of that. This is so, hey, let me tell you what our blessed hope is. An empty tomb in the words of Jesus Christ. Their blessed hope was Joseph's bones. I just love that little passage that they said, and they took Joseph's bones. Yeah, because that was their blessed hope. Okay, so number one, trust God in his timing. God has brought gateway along in the perfect timing. I I don't think... That anyone understands that more than Pastor Dalton and Pastor Farmer. They know things that you guys don't know. They look back over 23 years, and if there's anything, and guys, you say, Brother Shala, do you know everything about this church? I mean, isn't this the first time? Yeah, first time I've ever been here. But I'll tell you what I do know. I really don't know much about Gateway, but I know about him. And I know that his timing is always the perfect time. Who's on the staff here? Who are the guys that are on the staff? I'll tell you right now, it was God's perfect timing for to bring you right when you did. This is, I mean, you look, look back over the whole thing here, 23 years. Yet trusted in his timing, and God has been perfect. Let me tell you something. In your own lives, God's timing is perfect. There, there's a guy here tonight I saw. He was in my classes. And I kind of wondered about him. I kind of said, like, man, I wonder what ever happened to Joe. And I got to tell you, I see Joe, and it's Ashlyn, right? And I remember you guys in my class. And, you know, I thought, you know, Joe was kind of old when he came out to West Coast. <laughs> but, Joe, the timing was what? Perfect. It was the perfect time you would have. Ashlyn! Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, she just pops up. But the timing of both of you meet, you think about that. And by the way, is that not true for every one of us? Man, I got to tell you something. I heard the coolest testimonies of Richard and Lori today. And if there was one thing that was evident in the testimonies of Richard and Lori was God's timing. And God's perfect timing. You know what? You pull up your ten pigs and you trust God for his time. Okay, number two, number two, we got to get going. Number one, pull up your tent pigs and trust in God's timing. Number two, trust in God's trail. Trust in God's trail. Oh, this is really good. All right, look at chapter 13 and verse, okay, so first of all, look at verse 17. And it came to pass that Pharaoh and 11 people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although... That was near. But look at He led. Listen, you know what? <laughs> My people are not going to be able to handle war right away. It ain't going to happen. So I'm not leading them through what we would know today as the Gaza Strip. If you look where Goshen is, and you look where the promised land is, and you draw a straight line, you go right through what we would know today as the Gaza Strip. That's where the Philistines were. And, he, and, and God said, yeah, they ain't making that. That ain't never going to happen. So I got to take them on a different trail. Now, everybody get this. When I was in high school, I took this class. It was called geometry. How many here ever took geometry? How many? Uh, oh, wow, a lot of you did. Okay, <clears throat> I don't remember one thing, Pastor, about geometry. 
Except for this. This is the only thing I remember about geometry. The shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. You took it, didn't you? Straight line. The, The shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. Can I tell you who never took geometry? God. God never took geometry, guys. He never did. Because my life has been anything but a straight line. How about yours? Whoa, Lord, where are we going here? God, what are you doing? Lord, look, Lord, this is where our church is, and I know this is where you want our church. Come on, Lord. This is, no. You go through all kinds of different ways, don't you? God's trail is not our trail. You pull up your tent pegs and you trust God for the trail he's got for you. Now, he gave Israel, if you look at the, at the last verses of there, chapter 13, the first two verses of chapter 14, he gave them two things to guide them. He gave them a cloud, and I know, I know you're going to all say, and a pillar of fire. No, 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 no. The pillar of fire was at night for light, illumination, heat, and protection. But it was not for guidance. The cloud was for guidance. But if you look at chapter 14 and verse 2, it says, Hey, Moses, I'm going to speak unto you. And then Moses, look at verse 2, would speak unto the people of Israel. Okay, okay, listen to me. So there's two ways to guide the people. On this trail. How do you know you're on the right trail, uh, 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 Jim? Well, Israel had two things to guide them. Number one, they had a cloud. And number two, they had Moses. And so Moses would tell them how to live, and the cloud would take them to where they needed to be. Isn't that cool? I mean, wouldn't it have been cool if God would have just brought a cloud over here and said, this is where your church is going to be? And wouldn't it be cool if we had Moses tell us tomorrow, instead of Shetler, we got Moses. That'd be pretty cool. And Moses would tell you what to do. But you know what? God didn't do that. Marilee and I were in Pensacola for 31 years. I left Pensacola in a bubble. I left Pensacola in this incredible position. And God was saying, now listen, God was saying, it's time to pull your tent pegs up. No, no, Lord, this is, I like right where my tent is. I I got a national TV broadcast. I got over 4,000 people. And and I like like it here. God says, time to pull your tent pegs up. It's time to trust me in where we're heading on this trip. Well, I got to tell you, we left Pensacola, Florida, after being there for 31 years, not knowing where we were going. We did sense a definite leading that God was moving us on and to pull up our tent pegs. Now, I will tell you this. What's your name? Jacob. Jacob, this would have been so cool if God would have gave us the cloud and, and Moses. I would have loved it if Marilee would have woke up one morning and opened the blinds and said, Jim, come here. You got to see this. Jim, it is absolutely a blue sky. And Jim, there is a cloud over our Nissan Quest van. There's a, I said, oh, Marilee, that's the cloud. That's the cloud that's going to take us to the next place. Mar- and and Marilee, it's Jim, not only is there a cloud next to the van, there is an old man standing next to the van that looks like Charlton Heston. I said, that's Moses. That's a Moses. Come on, pack up, let's go. Moses is going to tell us how to live, and the cloud's going to take us. That would have been the coolest thing in the world. We get in the van, and we start traveling, and we go start going through Texas. Lord, please may the cloud go through Texas. And to go through, and we drive, and we drive, and it takes us to Santa Maria, California, and First Baptist. That would have been so. And Moses was there. Hey, thou shalt not speak to thy wife that way, and thou shalt do this. And I would have been so cool if God would have gave us Moses and a cloud. He didn't. He gave us two things that are better. He gave us the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Shetler, 
There's a lot of things happening in Tennessee. There's a lot of things going on in Clarksville. There's a lot of things that this is a guy, this is a young man here. How is this guy going to navigate? How is this guy going to navigate all the things we're going? We're having a building thing. We got finance. We got a lot. We may have a school. We got, whoa. Like, how is this guy going to navigate it? Well, you don't have a cloud and you don't have Moses. But I'll tell you something. You got the word of God, Pastor, and you got the Holy Spirit. And you got some people that as you guys study the word and you guys rely on the Holy Spirit, God will take you the trail you need to go. Pull up your tent pegs and trust God for his timing. Pull up your tent pegs and trust God for the trail that he's leading. Hey, by the way, come on now. Haven't some of us been down the cancer trail? Haven't some of us been on some financial trails? And when we were on that trail, we go, God, what are we doing here? God says, you trust me because you're going to learn more things about me on the trail that I have. And I'm going to provide for every one of you. Our lives is a trail that we would have never written for ourselves. But God knew what we needed. Pull up your tent pegs and trust them in this timing. Pull up your tent pegs, trust in God's trail. And I, I have two more, and the last one's real quick. But let me give you number three. <laughs> I don't like this one. Sometimes I don't like the trail one either, but that's always been exciting. But number three, trust in God's tools that he uses. Pull up your tent pegs, and trust God for the tools. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes he uses hard-hearted people. Sometimes he uses sharp scalpels. And sometimes he uses big mountains. But God will use a tool to get us where we need to go that we would have never chosen. You know, just when you think Pharaoh's out of the picture, <laughs> he comes back in. Now, everyone with me, you got your Bibles. You're gonna, you guys are going to absolutely love this. This is the stupidest question the, in the entire Bible. And, I, and I'll put that up to any. You come up with a stupid question, I'm telling you I got a better one right here. This is the stupidest question in the Bible. Look at verse 3. But these are the tools that God uses sometimes, folks. For Pharaoh, ooh, that's not a good tool, Brother Shelley. I know, but God's going to use Pharaoh as a tool to get Israel to start trusting him. And you know what? It may be somebody on the city council in Clarksville that God's going to use to get you to trust in him. It may be, they, he, God will use tools in this church that you would have gone, Lord, we don't like this tool, man. We're, we're really in a tough spot right here. And God will use that tool for you to pull up your tent pegs and trust God. Look at this. So he says, and, and for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. That's exactly what Pharaoh did. The wilderness has shut them in. <clears throat> now, everyone, look at this. And I will, everyone together, what's the next word? Harden Pharaoh's heart. Oh, Brother Shelley, we don't have time for this tonight. Brother Shelley, this is one of the most deep, complex, profound difficulties in the Word of God. Brother Shelley, just move on. We don't, we don't have time to talk about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, we do. I want everyone to hear this. Fourteen times in the Bible, it says Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Now listen. Eight times the Bible says, God, the Lord, hardened Pharaoh's heart. Eight times. Six times it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. I have a question for you. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Well, eight times it says the Lord did, Brother Shetler. And six times it says that Pharaoh did. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? You know what the answer is? Yes. <laughs> no, Brother Shetler, that's not an It is. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? God did. Bible says it. Well, Brother Shetler, didn't he have a free will? Oh, yeah. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Well, Brother Shetler, I don't understand that. I've never figured this out. I don't understand. Did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And did, did, did Pharaoh not have any choice? Or did Pharaoh harden his heart? Okay, let me help you with something. Let's go to Arizona in the middle of the summer. My, my brother lives there. Hunter Phoenix. Between 115 and 100, he said, my brother said this past summer it got to 121 degrees. I never experienced anything like that. Let's go to, to Phoenix, Arizona, and let's go to a sidewalk in the middle of the summer. It's 121 degrees. 
We go out and we bring a big box. We open up the box and inside is a bunch of mucky old clay. And we reach down, oh, mucky old clay. I mean, it's just like slop. And we take that clay and we slop it on the sidewalk. And we take our little cooler and we pull it down the sidewalk. And we come, oh, maybe about 25 yards. We open up the cooler and we bring out a big block of ice. And we take that block of ice and we set it on the same sidewalk. And we set it on the sidewalk. And we get out of there and go back in the house for a while. Three hours later, 121 degrees, sidewalk, clay, ice. Three hours later, we come out. And we come over to the clay. And the clay has everyone together. The clay has hardened. The clay has hardened. Now, everyone, help me out. And we go down to the block of ice. Oh, my. We come down to the block of ice, everyone together, and the ice has hardened. Everyone together. The ice has hardened. Guys, man, stay with me here. The clay has hardened. And the ice has hardened. Was it a different temperature? Different sidewalk? No, Brother Shetler. The same, listen, the same sun that hardened the clay melted the ice. Brother Shetler, who hardened Pharaoh's heart? I'll tell you. God hardened Pharaoh's heart by being God. Pharaoh hardens his own heart by being the clay that hardened. Pastor, the longer you pastor, Brother Dalton will tell you this, the longer you pastor, one of the most amazing things, you preach the same message on a Sunday morning. And there's people that walk out and their hearts are melted. Pastor, that was what I needed today. Pastor, you'll never know what you preached today was exactly what I needed. Oh, God, I needed that message. You preach the same message and people go, what's the deal with that? He's just being the preacher. He's just preaching the same message. And there are people that will leave here hardened. And there are people that will leave here melted. Now, I've got to tell you something. So who did it? Well, preacher did by his preaching. You're right. And you did it by the way you received it. I'm going to tell you something. Pharaoh, yeah. God God hardened Pharaoh's heart and says it. But I'm going to tell you something. Pharaoh hardened his own heart by the way he responded. And I'm going to tell you something. Praise God for a young preacher that you have. And I want to tell you, when you don't respond right to what you hear from God's word, you're going to get hardened. Stay as a heart that will receive the word. Okay, so here we go. Stupidest question in the Bible. Here it comes. So we got a hard-hearted guy. That's where the stupidest question is going to come from is somebody that's hard-hearted. Look at verse 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, stupidest question in the Bible. Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Why? Why did we let them go? Oh, I wish I could have been there that day. I wish I could have been there that day. Oh, oh, Pharaoh, why did we let Israel go? Oh, Pharaoh, I got this. I got this. In the back there. Why? Why did we let them go? Can I give you ten reasons why we let them go? What in the world? It's the stupidest question in the Bible. Why did we let them go? You know why? Because we were tired that we couldn't see our hand in front of our face because of the darkness. Hey, hey, Pharaoh, we didn't want to drink the red Kool-Aid out of the Nile anymore. Pharaoh, the hail, Pharaoh, all of the, but this is the one. I'm telling you, pastor, if I'm, if I'm in that court that day, why did we let Israel go? Oh, I know what I would have done. 
I would have been in the back, and I just would have done one word, just one sound. Ribbit. <laughs> Why did we let them go? Ribbit. We let them go because of the stupid frogs. Their God is God. Hey, I looked that up. When I was preaching on the, on the plagues, I looked the word up. The Bible says the frogs covered the land. I looked that word covered up. You know what it means? It means covered. No, it does. It means a total blanket. That means wherever they went, squish, 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 squish. I can't handle it anymore. I'm going to my bedchamber. Squish, 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 squish. They pull back the covers. They jump in the bed and squish. Oh, brother, you're just a preacher. No, it says in the Bible they were in the bedchambers. Ah, I can't sleep. I got to get something to eat. Squish, 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 squish. Oh, and they come in and they take the big loaf of bread and they take a big bite of the bread. Help me out, guys. They take a big bite of the bread and what happens? Squish. The Bible says the frogs were in the kneading troughs where they made the bread. Why did we let them go? Because of the frogs. Pharaoh, we let them go because their God is God. But you know what? When you have a hard heart, you don't listen. God uses a tool, a hard-hearted tool to get Israel where they need to be. Last thing and we're done. Trust in God's test. Trust in God's test. Folks, there's been a lot of tests in this church over the last 23 years. And you got to trust in everyone. You got to trust God in every trust. Now listen, three things happen when you trust God in the test. There's a reliance, there's a relationship, and there's a rejoicing. Brother Scheller, how, how is it that you trust God? This, I'm telling you, I love this. Listen, I don't know if you guys ever look up words. But if you look up the words, go forward, in the Hebrew, it, in the Strong's Concordant, it's 5265. If some of you are, are like, man, let's just pull up the tent page thing. Look up in your Strong's Concordant sometime, 5265. Go forward. I'm telling you what it means. It means to loosen the, 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 the anchors and the tent pegs of the tent to move like they're going forward. It's the coolest definition. Matter of fact, I did think about something, Pastor. I thought, when I came in, what's your theme for the year? <laughs> anchored. <laughs> I thought, well, tonight I'm going to talk about bringing the anchor up, okay? Okay, so we want you to be anchored in the Lord. But you know what, church? It's time to pull the anchor up and let's move. It's time to pull the tent pegs up and go forward and trust God for the test. The test will bring reliance. The test will bring relationship. And then the test will bring rejoicing. I'll tell you something. There are times when we go, God, what are you doing? And God's got this. We just need to pull up our tent pegs and do what God told us to do. I'm going to close with a story. It's not a true story. But I read it in a book one time. I just love this story. One night, this guy's sleeping in bed. And in the middle of the night, the Lord appears in his bedroom. And the Lord wakes him up. And the guy goes, who are you? I am the Lord. Tomorrow, outside of your door, there will be a rock. Push it. What? what, 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 oh, oh, what? And the Lord's gone. What in the world was that? That's a bad dream. Guy goes back to bed. Next morning, he wakes up, takes a shower, gets his breakfast. He goes off to work. He opens the door. And when he opens the door, there's a huge rock outside the door. Lord, that was you last night. Whoa, that's a big rock. You're going to give me strength to move that? Man, that's cool. The guy goes over to the rock, and he starts pushing. He starts pushing it doesn't move at all. Lord, it's not moving. He pushes all morning long. He goes in for lunch. Whoa, man. 
Lord, you told me to push the rock. Well, the rock's not moving, God. Give me strength. He goes out in the afternoon. He pushes all afternoon against the stupid rock. Goes to bed. Next morning he wakes up. Oh, every muscle is sore. He opens the door. He goes back out. He pushes another day against the rock all day long. God, what are you testing? What are you doing? You told me to push against the rock. The rock's not moving. It ain't going to move this thing big. I don't have this. He pushes all day. Days go to weeks. Weeks go to three months. Guy's been pushing against a stupid rock for three months. It hasn't moved at all. One day he's out there after three months. He's pushing against a rock. Oh, God, I've had it. This is the stupidest thing in the world. I have pushed against this rock every day for three months. And it hasn't moved at all. I'm done. And the Lord appears. And the Lord said, go in the house. Guy goes in the house. Lord says, go in the bathroom. Guy goes in the bathroom. Lord says, look in the mirror. Guy looks in the mirror. Lord says, look at your neck. He doesn't have one. It's just a muscle. Lord says, look at your arms. They're huge. Lord says, look at your legs. They're like tree stumps. The rock never moved, but he changed. Let me tell you something. Sometimes, by the way, you've had great growth, bud. God has done something here. But you know what? There's some dry days coming, aren't there? There's going to be some plateau. What's going on? You just keep pushing. There's times in our marriage. Boy, it's not as exciting anymore as it was before. You keep pushing. Gateway, it is not what you achieve in Clarksville that matters. It's what you become as a family of believers that matters. And there will be times that you pull up your tent peg and you trust God for the test. Oh, tomorrow we got baptisms and we got people joining tomorrow. Pastor, it won't always be like that. But you keep pushing and you keep trusting God for the test that he brings. Hey, I'll tell you, Gateway, God's faithfulness with your faith, has brought great blessing. But it's time. You keep going, and you pull up the tent pegs. Now, I'm a big spender, Pastor. I got you a gift of all gifts, man. I mean, I didn't, well, I got to be honest. I didn't spend hundreds of dollars. I actually spent about a dollar twenty-five. But I got something for you that may be the greatest gift you'll ever get on a church anniversary. Come on up here, Pastor. I couldn't think of anything better than a what? A tent peg. Pastor, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how much time you got. But I'm going to tell you what you better do. As long as you are the under-shepherd of this church, you need to pull up your tent pegs, and you need to keep going forward, and you need to trust God. And you know what? I think you got a flock that'll follow you. I think you got a flock that's going, hey, pastor, let's go. Go forward for the Lord. So, pastor, thanks for your faithfulness, pastor. You had to pull up some tent pegs and move forward. Well, now we're passing the tent peg to him. And, pastor, you look at that, and every time you look at that in your office, you just think, you know what? Got to pull my tent pegs up, and I got to go forward for the Lord. And you just keep pushing, and God will do something in your life and with this church. Let's give Pastor a hand. Praise the Lord for your spirit. Thank you, my brother. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Gateway Baptist, tomorrow we're going to talk about revival in your walk with the Lord. But tonight we're going to talk about pulling up your tent pegs. Some of you need to pull up a tent peg and trust God for his timing. Man, it's got to go fast. Man, something, just, boy, you know, I've been waiting. You need to wait on the Lord. You need to pull up your tent peg and say, God, I'm waiting. I am ready to move as you give me the go. Now, listen to me. Some of you tonight need to come down to this altar and pull up your tent peg and trust God for the trail that he's leading your marriage, your family, and your life. 
God, this is not the way that I thought. But I'm pulling up my tent pig and I'm going to trust you for the trail. Now I'm going to tell you, this is, I think, the hardest one. Trust God for the tools that he's using. Man, it's a health problem, Brother Shetler. It's a financial thing. It's a relational thing. There's something going on in our family with our relatives. God is using a tool that I can almost guarantee you're not liking. You need to pull up your tent pegs and trust God for the tool. And then I'm going to tell you. You need to come down to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I'm going through a test right now, and you know it. And I'm pulling up my tent pegs. And I'm going to trust you in the test that you have for me. And God, I'm going to keep pushing. And I'm pulling up my tent pegs. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to go forward. Church, praise God for 23 years. Praise the Lord for the integrity, the character of the Daltons that laid a great foundation. Praise God for a young vision and a young under-shepherd. But I'm going to tell you something. We're not done. We haven't really even begun. It's time to pull up our tent pegs, Gateway Baptists, and it's time for us to go forward of what the Lord has. Hey, let me encourage you. Pastor will be down front here. Maybe it's something in the church. You just say, you know what? I'm ready to go forward. You know what? There may be some in here tonight that aren't members of this church. Maybe God's saying, hey, it's time for you to go forward and let's join this church and let's go forward together. You know God has called us here. Let's do this. Maybe it's another area about the church. Maybe it's something in your own private walk with God that you need to go forward. You don't need to go to pastor about that. The pastor's going to be down front. The invitation's going to start. Maybe you'd like to just grab his hand and say, hey, pastor, I'm ready to go forward with him. I'm ready to go forward in this church, and I'm 100, I'm all in. I'm 100% in. Let's pull up our tent pegs, pastor, and let's go. Let's go. Give them some encouragement. Tell tell them, hey, pastor, we are ready to go forward. Maybe it's a personal matter. God spoke to your heart. Pull up your tent pegs. Go forward. Get down at the altar and say, God, I'm ready. Lord, I'm going to trust you for what you got for me. And I'm going to keep pushing. And God, you're going to do a work. And I'm trusting you for that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. God spoke to your heart. When you hear that piano play, you come on forward. Go forward. Grab a hold of pastor's hand. Say, pastor, I'm ready to go forward with you. God spoke to your heart about an area in your life that you need to just trust God and go forward.